You're listening to the Ending Human Trafficking Podcast. This is episode number 149, Collaboration, Working Together Against Trafficking in Human Beings. Produced by Innovate Learning, Maximizing Human Potential. Welcome to the Ending Human Trafficking Podcast. My name is Dave Stahoviak. And my name is Sandy Morgan. And this is the show where we empower you to study the issues, be a voice, and make a difference in ending human trafficking. And if you have been listening to the show for any length of time, you have heard Sandy and I talk about the importance, if not the necessity, to be thinking as partners. And that is something, uh, also, if you've been listening, you've heard many examples of how uh, Sandy has been doing that in her work as a director of the Global Center for Women and Justice. Uh, But not only in that capacity, over the years of working together to create partnerships and organizations, uh, not only here in the States, but really across the world. And uh, within just the last couple of months, uh, a ton of things have happened. Uh, some really exciting advances on so many of the partnerships that uh, that have been established, Sandy. And I'm really excited to talk about uh, what's been happening and also your recent trip to Greece, because I think there's a lot of lessons for us on how we can work together to really leverage partnerships. Well, I'm excited to be back from Greece. It was an amazing experience. I took 12 students on our annual summer study, and our intensive was to study human trafficking in Greece, and we partnered with a humanitarian organization by the name of Bridges. And during that time, we also hosted a three-day conference called Working Together Against Trafficking in Human Beings. And we partnered with Bridges and also our FAST partners that we talk about often. The Salvation Army is also in Athens, Greece. So Bridges, Global Center for Women and Justice, and Salvation Army had um, existing relationships, and we put together a three-day conference. And this uh, is this the same conference event that uh, was also being worked on in partnership with our partners in Iraq, Sandy, or is that a different, is that a different uh, conference? Well, actually, it's interesting that you bring that up. You know that we have partnered for several years with folks in northern Iraq on human trafficking, as well as some women in higher education leadership projects. And we've had teams that have gone there to do training and then um, representatives from the Kurdistan regional government have come to Vanguard for training. And recently, when Dr. Sami Jamal Hussein, who is the human trafficking commissioner there, reached out, I told him we were going to be in Athens. And he said, I'll bring my team. We'll meet you in Athens. And that began um, a different approach to how we would host our conference during our student visit to Athens, Greece. Oh, interesting. And he's, of course, been on the show before, uh, Dr. Same. And I'm, I'm curious, what, what did you do that was different than maybe you normally would have done if uh, they had not been involved? 
Well, I think we began to look at this from a more regional perspective. I think everyone listening probably is very aware of the humanitarian crisis with refugees across that region because of the conflict in Syria. And the organization Bridges actually started as a response to the refugee crisis. What they didn't understand is how vulnerable the people they served are to being trafficked. Because like we often talk about, when you don't have options, it's pretty easy to accept and hope that that job offer is valid, that it is real. And that kind of desperation and no options creates significant vulnerability. And in fact, we started our student efforts there doing an on-site workshop just for the nonprofits and NGOs working with refugees. But the conference was a much broader perspective and brought in government, NGOs, and even the United Nations, along with our partners that we've worked with for so long from the Kurdistan region of Iraq. I know a big part of this is uh, doing a country study and bringing students along with. Tell us about the student experience and also um, what you were doing with students, uh, not only with the conference, but outside of the conference. Well, the students worked on developing some cultural context for human trafficking prevention. And many of the trainings that they've done here in California around Vanguard University and high schools and middle schools are aimed at what the highest risks are here. So they studied before they went, they studied the refugee crisis, they studied local law. Um, Adjunct professor Derek Marsh gave them some pretty stringent assignments, so they were well prepared. And when they arrived and they started talking to the most vulnerable, these refugees from that have gone through horrific things. I met one young man who literally swam from Turkey to Rhodes, which is an island in Greece, 18 hours in order to find a way to reach his family. And he's on a long journey. And how will he find his family somewhere in Europe? He has no options. So talking to them and warning them, don't take a job, don't trust people that offer you a free place to to go. Um, Some of those pretty standard prevention strategies don't work. So one of our students began working on a storyline using an existing pamphlet because we're very resource focused. We want to do something that is sustainable. And then the whole team created a training that was translated into Greek and Arabic, and later some other languages were added. And they did a hands-on training with staff and volunteers, many of whom were refugees and are refugees that are still on their journey and trying to create a new life. And it was pretty exciting during the training when one of the participants began to self-identify that that is exactly what had happened to him. They each received a braided orange wristband. We've chosen orange as our color to remind us that we are all fighting human trafficking. And the opportunity to 
to leave 15 people on the ground greeting newcomers in that refugee center was an amazing outcome for our students. You mentioned a moment ago that some of the traditional things that you might do in other situations don't necessarily work in this situation. Uh, Tell us more about that. Why is that? Well, I think the circumstances are very different. Um, The people are not necessarily impoverished in the way that we often think that they're being recruited from poor villages or from low-income housing, from single-parent homes. Many of the families that we met, they were professionals. One father was an engineer. Another mother was a pediatric physician. There were teachers and um, librarians, professional people, and lots and lots of children. As you and the students had this experience of talking with refugees and having these conversations, what was that like? Well, I think it helped us visualize a very different landscape. And that actually feeds into how our conference emerged as more of a regional conference, because doing prevention right there in Athens is not enough. How can we do prevention with refugees who are on their way? We discovered many of the refugees we worked with were actually from the northern part of Iraq. And so when Dr. Sami's team arrived, they visited the refugee center and began to interview families and initiated investigations that they would go back and pursue on site from from their offices in northern Iraq. We also began to understand one NGO can't handle all of the crisis, and each NGO had um, expertise and resources that could become part of the fabric of, of a concerted response. And our conference actually facilitated uh, a brainstorming session where a very exhaustive list of local resources right there in Athens of what was needed and what was available and who had it, that was generated. And that's a valuable document to share in the community. We talked in the introduction about the importance of partnership. And of course, you and I have been talking about that for years, Sandy, and this work, and of course, there's so many other applications for it too. Um, what did you learn uh, along the way, or perhaps uh, what did the organizations working with you in this trip learn in regards to leveraging the power of a partnership? Well, I, I think we, we began to understand that building a collaborative model is kind of a messy um, job. And if you're a control freak, don't try this at home hmm. um, because you'll be really frustrated. We started working on pulling together this conference months in advance. And uh, Professor Derek Marsh, who is now um, the Department of Justice labor trafficking trainer nationally here in the U.S., he adjunct teaches during the summer with uh, the Global Center for Women and Justice. So he and I started working on developing a training for three days. And then um, you remember in February, I was in Istanbul. And during that um, 
forum on human trafficking, I met the human trafficking commissioner from the Ministry of Foreign Affairs in Greece, Dr. Hercules um, Moskov. And he was interested in partnering as well. So he became part of our collaboration. He invited members of the community to have a conversation. The Salvation Army joined our collaboration. And of course, you know, the Salvation Army is one of our longtime partners with the Global Center for Women and Justice. They're members of our Faith Alliance Against Slavery and Trafficking. So it was a really good fit. So ultimately, with the support of the Greek Ministry of Foreign Affairs, our student team partner, Bridges Humanitarian, and the Salvation Army, we became the hosts for this three-day conference. And through some of the communication that went out, the United Nations Office on Drugs and Crime heard about the conference and sent an email of inquiry to find out if um, they could send a representative to participate. And they actually identified the conference as a great example of international best practice. And I think, Dave, that that inspired me, this idea of international best practice. So we began to have some conversations and the quality that made that um, observation so important was the collaboration. So many different partners working together. Yeah, that's one of the things I was really curious about because you mentioned the frustration that comes with putting together multiple organizations who are have a similar objective but are doing different things. Um, and and yet, I also know there's some really uh, there's of course some real benefits to doing that and some some real wins that came out of that. What do you see in addition to that recognition? Uh, what were some of the neat synergies that happened as a result of? all those partners coming together for this experience? Well, our our outcomes, when you think about developing new relationships, people who didn't know each other know each other now. And for a refugee center that deals with refugees from a country that they've never been to, having someone on the ground there that they can um, go back to and get help from that's a huge piece of, um, of building a stronger regional response. I think it was also amazing for these different nonprofits and government organizations to be in the same room. The participants in the conference included people that were directors of agencies, um, people who were part of of social services in Athens, the officer in charge of the human trafficking task force at the Athens Police Department. We had healthcare providers, the office of the National Rapporteur on Trafficking in Human Beings was there, nurses were there, doctors were there. It, Oxfam, um, these are the Greek Council for Refugees, and just a a number of people that often don't find themselves in this in the same uh, mix with each other, and there was synergy there. It was an amazing thing to sit back and watch because I'm going to leave, but they're all going to be there working together. And I I think 
I think one of the things I got very excited about was just understanding that we all have different language, even when we translate something. So if you go back and look at the title of this conference and of this podcast, it doesn't sound the way it normally does. We talk about human trafficking, we talk about trafficking in persons, but in that region, they use trafficking in human beings. That's their terminology. And everything is translated into that term. So they use an acronym of THB. Well, the first time I saw THB in a, in a communication, I'm looking it up, trying to figure what it meant. And so many times that is a prime example of where collaboration goes sideways because we haven't learned each other's language. So we had a lot of lessons to learn. The UN was a great partner. They actually have a document, and we can put a link to it here, where they have the terminology from almost every country in the world in their language and in English. So it was a great shortcut to how do we figure out those kinds of um, language issues. On a practical level, we've both talked before about the challenge of not engaging in partnerships and duplicating resources and services and potentially even competing, uh, even though that's nobody's intention, but but competing against other organizations that are trying to do the same kind of thing. And I, I love what you just mentioned, Sandy, of like in this case, just getting the terminology straight so everyone knows what everyone else is doing. That's That's one of the very first steps to a successful partnership is that understanding of how language is used in different places so that then we can combine forces to strategize on how do we help each other support this issue? Well, and and being able to create a way, a platform for sharing that information and keeping this uh, group of participants loosely connected. We don't want to start another organization, but we do want to continue to share resources. So we created a shared folder and we have an email list, and we'll continue to to work together. Mm, I love it. I, I I'm imagining as a professor, in addition to the hat you wear in your um, work against human trafficking, that there's a great sense of desire to want to see students come back from this experience with something that's really been powerful for them. What? did you hope for for the students and what did you see on the, you know, the, the trip home and the conversations afterwards uh, that either matched up with that or not? Well, I think that they were overwhelmed at the beginning with how desperate the situation really is. And one of the things that a couple of students said to me in our debrief time was how significant it was to be part of that conference because they could see people from several different perspectives, from different countries, from different levels of leadership, working together, demonstrating respect, sharing resources, figuring out how to work together. And that gave them a great deal of hope. Many of them who they talk about, I want to work with victims, they began to see new ways of making a difference. Maybe they're going to become part of 
of the United Nations. Maybe they're going to go into international law or international affairs. So I think for our students, it broadened their worldview and raised their level of, of value for the kind of leadership it's going to take from lots of different perspectives in order to really end this kind of exploitation. Mm, fascinating. And when you think about uh, those listening and uh, so many who uh, want to engage in partnerships and are looking for that bigger, broader strategic perspective, what's, what's your hope, Sandy, that uh, folks will do in taking away some of the lessons from this conference and this trip that may apply in other situations? Well, we'll we'll post the content of the conference in case people are are looking for some guidelines for for topics. But I think the character of building this has more value in the long run than topics change with the season and and um, emerging legislation and so on. But I I'd like people to think about what are some of the most important ingredients in building this kind of collaboration? And number one is relationship. We, we built relationships with the bridges, with Salvation Army. We've got several years of working with, with our partners from the Kurdistani region in Iraq. And this takes the, our newest partners like Dr. Moskov and um, uh our partner from the UNODC, we are investing in growing those relationships. And that takes time. Developing even the content of the final program, you have to be comfortable with a lot of change day to day. I kind of use the term fluidity. If I am very determined that this is exactly how I'm going to do something, I don't leave a lot of room for flexibility, uh, then it will be hard to collaborate. There may be somebody else that wants to um, present on the same topic that I was going to present on. Well, I got to be ready to downsize my presentation or take it off completely and give that spot to somebody else because it demonstrates respect for their leadership and their expertise and trust. And in collaboration, those are key aspects. There's so much that comes back to listening, Sandy, and taking the step back and learning about the other organization or the other resource first that you know we've all learned, uh, at least most of us have learned along the way. But sometimes we forget in practice when we start doing these things because we get excited about wanting to help and to contribute in a meaningful way, in a way that we can measure. And yet, sometimes the best way we can start contributing is just stepping back listening, learning, finding out what is already being done out there. And like you said, sometimes taking that step back where maybe we don't, you know, we don't provide the service, we don't give the presentation or someone else takes the lead um, because that's the right, that's the right decision to look towards sustainability. Well, and I think I have an advantage because I'm a teacher and I'm constantly trying to create a platform for my students to be the leader, to be the teacher, to do the presentation. And so I have a lot of flexibility and I'm able to uh, follow up and pull some things together for them as they are learning. They're in a learning role. And so 
it's hard for some people though. They have they have a plan and this is what has to happen. And that inflexibility will in the end reduce um, the ultimate outcome because you don't have um, the benefit of some voices that represent things that you don't know. And there is so much I, I realized I don't know when it comes to human trafficking and the refugee crisis. And I'm going to keep following it. One of the most shocking moments that I had in a conversation with one of the refugees and the social worker engaging with that young man, 19 years old, trying to join his family. His family's already settled in another European country. He just wants to be with his family, but he didn't get a visa, but he's desperate to be with his family. He can't go back. There's nothing. His home is bombed out. So he's making this trek. He gets through Turkey. He's beaten. He's in prison. He um, gives all of his money to a smuggler and then ends up at the border in Greece and arrested and time in prison. And yet he's now out and he's, and he's got some documentation, some assistance in Greece, and he still wants to get to his family. And so he's found someone, and I'm using air quotes, who knows a way to get him to that country. And immediately the social worker asked him, do you trust your smuggler? And I'm like, wait a minute, we don't deal with smugglers. We don't, we don't, we, that would be a red flag if this is a smuggler. But these are the kinds of situations that they're facing. And the questions are different and the responses are different. And we have so much to learn. So I have a lot of respect for those on the ground and I want to learn from them. Sandy, uh, the thing that I come away with from almost all these conversations, just how much I don't know about this, as many conversations as you and I have had over six or seven years now on the show. Um, sadly, there's so much more to learn and there's so much more to be exposed to. And uh, like your students, I'm sure that had I come with you uh, and been in the places you've been, I would be very overwhelmed uh, with what to do and, and, and even being just very frozen of like where, where to even start. So I, I just, it just strikes me as a really um, uh, wise call to action for us all to take that step back and to be willing to learn and to grow so that we can really understand how to best contribute to a very complicated situation. Well, and my students, I really truly hope and I, I believe that they left Greece knowing that it's going to take an army and we have to build that army through partnership, through things like the FAST, the Faith Alliance Against Slavery and Trafficking, through um, collaborations on the ground in our own community, like here in the Orange County Human Trafficking Task Force, nationally. And how we do that requires leadership, Dave. And I so respect uh, what you do with the Coaching for Leaders podcast. And I'm constantly going there and listening to your podcast so that I can do a better job of leading things in this kind of contemporary context. Well, thanks for the mention, Sandy. And it's, you know, like, like uh, we've been talking about, it's partnership. It's also learning together to get better at this uh, 
you've taught me so many things over the years. So I'm, uh, I'm grateful to be even a small part of helping out with resources on the other end too. And um, I, I know we're all going to continue to work together. And if, if this is something you're hearing today, maybe it's the first time you've listened to this episode or maybe even listening for a bit and you want to get more involved, a great first step is to connect with us online. Uh, we have just launched within the last uh, month or two a brand new website for the Ending Human Trafficking podcast. You can get to it at endinghumantrafficking.org. It replaces our old site. Uh, you'll see Sandy's smiling face up there uh, when you get there, uh, but you also find a number of resources. The podcast library is much more easy to search and find. You'll also see a place right on the very beginning of the page where you can join in with us and put in your email address to stay connected with what Sandy's up to, resources, uh, links from the shows. So I would certainly encourage you to connect in that way. And Sandy, I know that uh, the more we all are working together on this issue, the uh, the more partnerships will emerge. And I think that in the long run, that is going to benefit all of us and, and help us to work toward this goal that we're all working towards. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you, Dave. Well, thank you for listening. We're honored to have you along. And if you haven't visited uh, us before, on iTunes. I hope you consider doing that as well. If you just search for Ending Human Trafficking on iTunes, you may already be subscribed to the show, of course, if you're listening, uh, but we'd be honored if you take a moment to leave a rating or review for the show. And the reason for that is uh, the ratings and reviews help other people to track down the show, uh, to learn more about this and to partner with us to address this issue. So take a moment to leave a rating or review for the show on iTunes. Thank you so much in advance if you choose to do that. And if you've done it in the past, thank you so much. Check out the new site at endinghumantrafficking.org. And we'll be back in two weeks for our next episode. Thank you, Sandy. Thanks, Dave. Take care, everyone.